Texas Tech baseball had a solid 2022 season, but came up just short in the Statesboro Regional following Notre Dame twice over the course of the weekend. I'll break down that regional as well as take a look at, at a reflection on Texas Tech's baseball season and look at what Tim Tavlock can do to reach Omaha in 2023, coming up on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Wednesday episode of Locked On Texas Tech, your daily source for all things Texas Tech athletics, including baseball. I'm Emery Lida, your host. I have covered Texas Tech athletics for years now. However, I've not done a lot in the work of baseball. However, due to demand, a lot of people want to hear, have been interested in hearing what we've had to say about the Statesboro Regional, about this baseball team in general. So I figured today would be a really good day in the wake of the Kerwin Walton announcement. Things have slowed down a little bit on the basketball front. So it's a good time to take a look back at this year's baseball team. And it was a team that when you look at how this season came into play, came into the season top 15, generally speaking. There are some rankings as high as number nine. But generally speaking, throughout the country, they were a consensus top 15 team. And... Early on in the season, I have to say, it kind of looked like this baseball team was going to struggle a bit. Obviously, you started out the season in at Globe Life Field in the 2022 College Baseball Showdown, obviously the home of the Texas Rangers, and you were able to win against Michigan, who ended up not being all that good, and then lost to both Auburn and Arizona. Obviously, Auburn would go on to be a College World Series team, so at the time, not a lot was thought of it in terms of the optimism about around the program, obviously losing 13 to two in the final game kind of created a theme for the season, which is the third and final game of a series or on an event, you would see that struggle because of the pitching. Then after that had a host of good games against lesser opponents. Obviously the one outlier there is Dallas Baptist, who is a good team, but Kent state and Merrimack were not good. You split a series against Mississippi state swept a series against rice had a really dominant showing against New Mexico, winning 28-2 to in one of those games. Probably one of the most exciting offensive games of the year. Series against Iowa on the road was kind of so-so. Then you had a quick game on the weekday against Cal Baptist, which you won, and then you enter Big 12 play. That's where things got interesting. The really good part of the season, in my opinion, was the victory, the series win over Texas, where we were able to win two straight games, one of which on Kurt Wilson stealing home, one of which on a grand slam from Wilson. Both of those were critical wins over the course of the season. At the time, Texas was number two before they slowed down, unfortunately finding their footing, making the college world series. But winning that series, even if you lost game three, 12 to one, really brought some momentum. You got Tech back into the top 25 and into the national hosting conversation. Then you followed that up with four straight wins over Stephen F. Austin and Kansas, including another 28-2 victory. It's not often that you see two consecutive or two 28-2 wins in one season, but Tech did that against both Kansas and New Mexico. Same score and everything. But then final game of that series, yet again, another tendency of this Tech team was losing final games of the series. You look at what happened against Kansas. They lost 8-5 to close out that series. 
Then lost two weekday games against Grand Canyon. Again, though, those weekday games and the end of the series just continued to haunt them. And it really kind of sucked because those weekday games factor into RPI, but they're not the greatest indication of how it's of, uh, of how a team would perform at the regional level. You would see oftentimes teams rely more on their starting pitchers, go heavier in the innings at the regional level. And obviously you have still have to utilize the bullpen quite a bit and have to have at least one stretch game. But still, I didn't think the weekday games really gave a good indication of how good this tech team was just because how depleted their pitching was at times, obviously losing Micah Dallas from last year to Texas A&M really hurt in that sense. But anyways, the weekday game struggles continued. You lost again to Oklahoma and then had a, got swept by TCU on the road in April and then lost the game to New Mexico again on the weekday. So if you're keeping track of that, at one point, Tech had lost four consecutive weekday games, two opponents that they should have been favored in, and that just didn't help. You lost again on Sunday to West Virginia despite winning the series as a whole, lost again to Abilene Christian on a weekday, won the series against Baylor when Baylor was in an absolute free fall down the stretch of the season. That was probably one of the big more important series wins of the season because that brought in an important game or an important series in Stillwater, which you were able to finally sweep for once in the Big 12 alongside Kansas State. Those were your only two sweeps on the season. And then coming into the final week of the regular season, Tech had a shot to win the regular season championship if they could have swept Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma, as we know now, into the season an absolute fire making the College World Series. But Tech... Came up short in that one. They lost two games in that series, finished second in the conference behind TCU. And that seemingly was not how Tech wanted to end conference play, obviously. And it dropped Tech another few spots in RPI, which is a storyline all season, despite their good Big 12 record. The week, the weekday games and the really weak non-conference games at times really played a negative factor in the Tech's RPI selection. And when you look at their season as a whole, obviously they had it headed into the Big 12 tournament, ended up heading into that tournament going 15-9 in conference play. That obviously not a great record, but still not all that far off of some of the years past. Finishing second in the conference is still good. You won game one in the Big 12 tournament against Kansas State. You lost to Oklahoma and then Kansas State again at the end of the tournament. That knocked you out early. I believe Tech was the fourth team remaining. So not ideal, but still they didn't completely fall on their face. Got to win in the tournament. And ultimately it would end up being seeded as the three seed in the bit or in the Statesboro regional against Georgia Southern, Notre Dame, UNC Green and UNC Greensboro. And what followed that was disappointing to say the least. Obviously we know now that tech did not make it out of the regional, which to be fair, it was a really difficult regional. You had two good teams at there, Notre Dame and then Georgia Southern. Obviously, Notre Dame, as we would find out, would go on to beat Tennessee in the Super Regional to make the College World Series. So the Notre Dame team was a top 20 team all season long, top of, tops of the ACC. And, I mean, obviously fell short in the ACC tournament to the UNC, but still one of the top teams in the country. And they're pitching – it was brutal, and obviously Tech lost to Notre Dame twice in that regional to end up their season. So as you look at how the season evolved, ending up 39-22, and 22, it, on the surface level, doesn't seem all that bad. I mean, obviously 
you had a good conference record. You were able to keep it close against a lot of good teams. I mean, Mississippi State ended up being pretty good. Obviously, you barely lost to Auburn early on in the season. You had a really good series against Oklahoma State. You won the series against Texas. You had a win over Oklahoma, obviously. You looked good for the most part in conference play, and it just never really materialized. And those midweek games really came back to haunt Tech in the, from a seeding standpoint because Notre Dame – Drawing Notre Dame as your two seed was about as bad luck as you can get. And being on the three line sets up a difficult schedule the Tech had to play. I mean, you lose the first game to Notre Dame, and you're playing from behind the entire rest of the weekend. So just some bad luck there. But coming up next, I'll take a look at the regional specifically and how that went down for Tech. I mean, obviously, I've already mentioned that they lost twice to Notre Dame. But I'll give a closer look at just what happened in each game and kind of what led to the demise of Tech. But first. I have a message from our good friends at Built Bar. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with new flavors? Well, this time Built has truly outdialed themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built was introducing the new mud pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and the Mud Pie Puff. Now, I know you know how good the puffs are and also how good regular Built Bars are, but the mud pie flavor, it creates something different. Are you not sure what mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new mud pie bar is rich with cream and chocolate mousse, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. You've got to try mud pie as soon as possible. And you need to hurry because the mud pie part and the mud pie puff are only available for a limited time. So visit built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. You're not, are you not convinced yet? Well, I have to tell you, we saved the best for last. Like all Built Bars, it is actually good for you. And I'm being serious on that. All Built products are low calories, high protein, and low sugar. And Mud Pie especially is really good for you. They're packed with 16 grams of protein and only 150 calories and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy Mud Pie and wrapped it up just for you. And just like all Built Bars, they are available at Built.com right now. And they're going fast because they are delicious. So get yours today. They're built with 100% real chocolate, healthy and tasty, and you're going to need them for whatever you need, whether it be after workouts or just needing a dessert or some good energy. So go, go to built.com today, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your offer. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com and try out the new Mud Pie Bars and Puffs. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th. Which, with over 50 insiders, nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders come together to provide you the best analysis. First pick is June 16th, so search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. NBA Draft coming up in a couple of weeks. The College World Series is starting later this weekend, and unfortunately, Texas Tech will not be playing in it. So they could not advance to their fifth ever college world series falling in the Statesboro regional to Notre Dame and taking a look at how things unfolded in the Statesboro regional. The first game ended up being a really long one at that it started at two o'clock local time in Statesboro against the two seated Notre Dame team and tech allowed two runs in the very first inning. And then almost instantly things got rain delayed. You saw a lightning delay, rain delay, lasted almost six hours. Resumed, I believe, just a bit past 8 o'clock local time, 7.30 in Lubbock. And 
really it took the whole game of a pitcher showdown, which was bizarre considering how the original two starters both obviously got forced out of the game due to the rain delay. Obviously, Andrew Morris started the game for Texas Tech, and he allowed the first two runs of the game. And then Chase Hampton, or then Derek Bridges came in for, I believe, an inning and a half, or an inning and a third, excuse me, to sort of to spell him after the rain delay. But then from there on, it was a really nice showing for Chase Hampton. He stretched almost through the rest of the game, and that kept Tech in it. You really saw just what Hampton was able to bring to the table. One of his best outings all season long. Ended up pitching six innings for Tech, only allowing three hits and one run. Ultimately, that one run would prove to be the game-winning run, and Struck out 12 guys, really nice, really nice outing for him. Ended up with a total of 97 pitches, which I believe was the most he pitched all season long. So that kept Tech in the game. He only allowed the one run in the eighth inning. And for Hampton, that was kind of a breakout showing. Mason Molina finished things off, did not allow a run as well. But, I mean, you look at it, and Morris's first inning was rough, and then he really didn't even get a chance to – Work at, work out of a bind as the rain delay kept things from happening, but still a really good showing for Chase Hampton in that one. But the bigger story for Tech was just really rough, a really rough game offensively. I mean, you look at how they did with runners in scoring position. I believe it was 0 of 14 all the way up until the eighth inning, where you had Easton Morrell, who batted, got in a run at the hands of Parker Kelly and Owen Washburn to tie the game up. You obviously see Morrell had a really good game in this one as well, but obviously just going cold at the wrong time for Tech in that first game. Just could not get any offense going, but at the end of the day, Notre Dame ended up getting the game-winning game run through on a wild pitch that got stuck in the dirt, so that was rough to see. Tech couldn't get anything going in the bottom of the ninth, and that was that. So obviously... Really rough way to finish things out for game number one. Obviously, it was a wild pitch that sealed it, which ironically enough would be foreshadowing for what would happen in the next game against UNC Greensboro, which, again, you're looking at a game in which people thought Tech might have been able to blow to blow UNC Greensboro out, and they did pitch a shutout. Obviously, controversial, in my opinion, to start. Braden and Birdsell, obviously you want to ha- you want to save your ace if, if at all possible. At the same time, you don't want to lose the regional without ever putting Birdsell on the table. And so he ended up pitching seven innings in that one. So a really good showing by Tech's ace pitcher. Big 12 pitcher of the year obviously had a really nice game in that one. Kind of tech, kept Tech alive when the offense still was just really struggling. And I mean, thankfully for Tech, they were able to score off of a wild pitch as both Dylan Carter was able to score, as well as Jace Young as well. And those two guys, I mean, Young had a pretty decent series, obviously didn't have the power, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But still, Tech's only scores from that game came on those wild pitches. Otherwise, a complete pitcher duel, really low scoring. Birdsell kept Tech in the game, stranded a few runners on bases over the course of the game for UNC Greensboro. And that's kept Tech alive for the second part of a doubleheader against Georgia Southern. And so let me tell you, Georgia Southern is a team, 
obviously they were playing in playing on thin ice, hosting their own regional. It was not expected to come down to this for them. Obviously, they had higher hopes than that. And for Georgia Southern, it ended up being a three to one victory in favor of Texas Tech. Obviously, Southern had played a tight game on Saturday night, and I'm mistaken by the way. It was a doubleheader on Sunday for Tech, not on Saturday. Georgia Southern was the team that had to play the doubleheader on Saturday, playing both against UNC Greensboro and then later against Texas Tech in or then playing later against Notre Dame at night. And they came off of, I believe, it was a 6-4 final score in that one. And you could tell that Southern maybe had a little bit of fatigue in this one as they struggled, again, much like Texas Tech did on the, on the bat. Because another throwing error was able to score for them in the third inning, and that was the only score they were able to have. So if you're keeping track of that, it's three games that happened over the course of the first three games for Texas Tech. And all three of them had a run scored either by Tech or by the opposition through a wild pitch or an error. So kind of bizarre stuff happening in the Statesboro Regional. And so Tech obviously did not have the cleanest of games. Again, the offense didn't look too great. You had a number of runs in this one. Finally got some offense generated. Cole Stillwell, J.C. Young, and Ty Coleman all were able to score. Stillwell had a really good and back to get a hit. Obviously, looking at the RBI totals, you had Ty Coleman, who I think was a superstar this game, having two RBIs in this one, a really nice double, if I remember correctly. And just in general, I mean, this was a strong game. I mean, obviously, Kurt Wilson did not have a single hit in this one, had a sack fly. You had Owen Washburn was able to have another sack fly, I believe, as well. And Hudson White had good contact as well. So finally got some hits going, only four total, but they were in crucial hits for you. And just in general, this was where Georgia Southern was really struggling in this game. They had 10 guys that were left on base. And for them, I mean, they lost their star pitcher on Saturday. Obviously, I threw him out there against Notre Dame. And that really seemed to hamper them. As I mentioned on the preview, Georgia Southern is a team that really relied on one singular star pitcher, not a lot on light tech. And in this one, Tech was able to throw Andrew Morris back into the fray against Georgia Southern. He was able to pitch six innings. So two-day turnaround for Morris obviously only played about a third of an inning against Notre Dame. So he was lightly used, but at the same time, nice to see him back. That was crucial for Tech. Ended up pitching six innings, obviously did not earn a single run. Obviously, the only run came on an error and only allowed four hits. So that was good for him. Beckner and Molina as well both got some good action in that one. And in general, that set up a second game against Notre Dame. Obviously, Tech had to win two games in a row to be able to win in the regional final against Notre Dame. So all eyes were on that. And unfortunately for Tech, they came up short. It was a close game, one to two final. Again, every single game in this regional was very close and low scoring. And unlike in the Stillwater regional, hardly any scoring, any home runs played the entire game. Or hit the entire regional. And so when you look at this game against Notre Dame, what really did tech in was just the sheer amount of guys they left on base 11. Keeping track on the series, obviously the first game went 0 14 with runners in scoring position until Eastern Morale. I believe they went three of 30 for the series. Your two, your four and five hole hitters ended up going with those two of 27 or the entire series as well. And that just does not add up well. Really, though, it's a stunning pitching effort by Tech. I mean, you were able to do, use a stretch game, and Jamie Hitt started the game, obviously. You have Brendan Beckel, you have Josh Sanders. All three of those guys, Sanders in particular, had a really good game in that one, did not allow a single run. 
he had he was able to work out of a couple of jams there and put pitched 43 times and then you ended up with Andrew Devine to end off the game and so for Tech it was just in general a good pitching effort considering that was where you travel all weekend or all year long the weekday games the day three games where you had to utilize the bullpen more Tech struggle with especially without Chase Hampton in the fray and that was not the case on this one so Good pitching effort, but just the worst offensive weekend of the year. Kurt Wilson had a rough go of it. Owen oh, Washburn only had one hit all series. You had a difficult, I would say a difficult sort of situation with Jace Young, who looked like he had the tying home run, the go or the tying home run in this game in the eighth inning on his second to last at bat. Did not happen for him. Just went off the wall and that allowed an RBI to score, but really could have flipped the game and allowed for extra innings happened had it gone over that wall just didn't happen that's how things went in this regional so unfortunate for tech but still it is what it is i mean notre dame went on to beat tennessee they went on to go to the college world series we'll have to see how that plays out later this week but certainly no shame in losing this regional notre dame you kept it competitive in every game the pitching came together at times i did not expect that to happen i thought that if there was one weakness for tech it would be the pitching and that wasn't the case. The offense, if anything, kind of let them down. And obviously the offense had been scoring really well all year. Led the Big 12 in runs. Obviously you had Jace Young. You had Kurt Wilson. Obviously Washburn. Guys guys like him had a nice year as well. Had some white shirt flashes at times. So offensively in general, you had a really good showing over the course of the season. And just had a cold streak at the worst possible time. But that's baseball. A lot of variance in baseball. And... As we head in the next year and as I look ahead at the, pro, at the program's future, just one thing to keep in mind, baseball is a sport where anything can happen. We've seen the last two years now, the heavy favorites have gone out, whether it be in Arkansas or in Tennessee. And Texas Tech has had some really good teams on paper that have underachieved in the regional or super regional rounds the last few years. Obviously, last year's team losing to Stanford years ago losing in the Lubbock regional to I believe it was Stephen F or to Sam Houston State. You've had that happen a few times and you've also had teams that arguably weren't quite as loaded being able to make good runs. Obviously the first 2014 team comes to mind. So it's baseball. Things happen. And heading into next year, I think there's still reason to be optimistic, which I will cover next. But first I have a message from some of our sponsors. As we continue to look at Texas Tech baseball heading into the 2023 year, it's first important to note some of the guys that Tech is likely going to lose. Obviously, looking at some of the eligibility, you're going to lose out on J.C. Young more than likely. Kurt Wilson as well is going to graduate out. Obviously, guys like Cody Masters have been around forever. He's going to be out as well. And when you look at this roster, I mean, this is a team that had kind of a good a good mix of seniors and kind of young Young experience as well. Obviously, Parker Kelly's a guy that could potentially be leaving, I believe, Easton Morrell. You've got a lot of guys in the lineup, probably four if I would have to guess, that are not going to be there anymore. And Wilson, Kelly, Morrell, and as well as that, J.C. Young. You might see possibly a couple guys entering the draft as well. I would be shocked if Andrew Morris and as well as that, um, looking at Brandon Birdsell, both of those guys – 
should, I believe they're both draft el- eligible. Both of those, especially Birchell is probably going to be a top 10 or one of the first 10 round picks. Obviously young, we've already covered is going to be a first round pick, but yeah, both of those guys are going to be your elite players leaving, but got another stack recruiting class coming in. It's going to be interesting to see how tech utilizes the portal. Obviously in baseball, it's the wild west. There's really a lot of unknowns, not really sure exactly how compensation is going to line up and exactly what goes on there. Obviously you think the sec schools are going to have a good cover on that, but tech should have the potential to throw some money at potential transfer targets. And as of now, it's hard to really shape, look at how that market shapes up. I mean, obviously I'm not really huge on the baseball transfer recruiting market. That is something I'm going to work on over the course of this off season to give you guys some more analysis and insight on. But as of now, that's not something that I'm particularly strong at. I All I do know is that Tech does have quite a bit of talent coming in, and I would assume that they're going to be pretty active in the portal with this being the first full year of NIL recruitment going on. It's going to be interesting to watch on that front. Obviously, you're going to have to replace quite a bit of hitting talent between Wilson and Jace Young in the lineup, but certainly a lot of potential out there. And expectations coming in next year you would assume tech is going to be ranked in the top 25 again they still return quite a bit of talent whether it be from the pitching pitching staff which even though they had a lot of inconsistency still have a lot of young guys in that lineup as well or whether it be with guys like owen washburn and hudson white coming back both first year freshmen that play critical roles in the pit or in the lineup this year so i think both of those guys are going to be kind of guys you can build off of. And I would assume Washburn in particular might be the guy that steps up into the three-hole slot. Obviously had a really good freshman year. Hudson White as well is going to factor in as well. I could also see a couple more notable guys that are freshmen playing into the factor in the factor as well. You're going to potentially have to kind of replace a couple of guys in the lineup, whether it be Jung and just the sheer amount of experience that he brings to the table. Mason Molina is a guy on the mound that showed a lot of potential in his first year. Obviously, had a couple of key closeout games this season, and I think that he's going to be a guy that, at a minimum, is going to be important in the bullpen. Haven't really seen much to suggest he can be a starter, but certainly, to be him returning to the bullpen and the potential he showed down the stretch of last year is going to be important. And just looking at this roster in general, you have a lot of young talent that hasn't really been exposed some massive stuff. You're going to have to probably rely on someone like Pat Coleman or Cole Stillwell. Both of those guys could come back. Stillwell, I would have to imagine, might be a guy that tries his hand in the draft, but you never know. So all in all, I mean, this is a roster that could have a lot of young talent on it. It's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps up. Chase Hampton, I'm expecting big things from him after seeing what he was able to do in the regional and just in general as improvement over the course of the season. But that's going to be something for next year. All in all, can't say this year was a total disappointment. Obviously, you expected more coming into the season as a top 15 team. It just didn't quite work out for Tech, but those things happen. Tech's also had seasons where they've overachieved and seasons where you made it to Omaha when you weren't quite expecting it. And so for that, you can't be too upset at Tim Tadlock. He's done an awesome job recruiting, has a lot of talent that has come in over the last couple of years to keep the piles heavy. And as I look towards next season, I have nothing but confidence that the pitching can get resolved. There can be improvements made in that front. He already lost Mike Dallas was able to overcut this past year to some degree on Fridays and Saturdays. So heading into 2023, there's all the more reason for optimism as there is with Texas Tech basketball, football, and any other sport. And as we head on to the rest of the summer, I'm going to continue to have lots of off-season content on just about every tech sport 
out there, particularly with football and basketball. I think there's a lot to cover there. We'll get into some more basketball coverage in the next couple of days, as well as a football preview of Murray State coming out on Friday. But for now, that's all for today's baseball episode. I'm Emery Lida. Appreciate all the support and listening that you guys have done. Really appreciate all the support this last week as we've been getting back from an absence, obviously, with everything going on in the hosting of the show. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Eraser41. You can follow the official Texas Tech podcast or Locked On Texas Tech podcast account at Locked On TTU. I'll try to utilize that more for potential suggestions. Anything you guys would want to hear, please let me know on Twitter. I am absolutely down to listen and adjust and make changes depending on what sort of content you guys want to see from me every day. I really appreciate all the support. It means the world to me that you have continued to support me. And I really hope that we can build something together and continue to improve the content on Locked On Texas Tech because it has been really fun building this channel from the ground up and continuing to grow this podcast. I cannot wait for more. So thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast where Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lethal and give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, just like you follow Texas Tech. So thank you. I've been Emery Lydit, and I will see you tomorrow.